the heel got caught. It, it like was a puzzle piece and got caught in the step at the opening. And I'm literally going, oh, oh, oh. And until I leaped forward and landed on. And actually, here's this is a true story for me. You know, I at 16, 17 years old, and I was going to do this thing with a candle. I was going to make this candle disappear. And I stuck flash paper in the end of this hollow magic wand. And I was, and then I put sparkle additive in the um, flash paper, right? And it's a sparkle additive. It's those sparklers that you light at, you know, 4th of July and you're, you're holding a stick and it's sparkling. It's that same powder that I, but I dumped it in flash paper and I stuffed that in the end of the magic wand. And so what, I mean, it was going to be amazing. And then what happened was <laughs> when I lit the flash paper and I wanted to spin the wand like a pinwheel so it looked like, you know, sparks was going out, the candle vanishes. You're gonna, it's going to be amazing. It's incredible. Well, I lit the flash paper and I went like this and it like, it was gone. Like it just stopped. And I'm, so I look at the inside the magic wand, I'm looking inside. I don't know what the heck's going on. My dad is watching this, by the way. And then all of a sudden, raining pyro comes down and I go, ah, it burns. I had the little burn on the top of my head, a little bald spot about the size of a quarter. Um, That's what happened to me. <laughs> and, you know, you smell that, the, the smell of burning hair is like so specific. And I just go like this and all this hair is coming out. Well, what had happened was when I went like this, the little wad in the wand flew out because of the momentum. My dad said he was watching. I was like 16 or 17 years old. My dad said he was watching from the other side of the room and he just watched because he didn't know what was going to happen. So he watches this thing and he starts showering and sparkling and falling down. And he's like, wow, this is great. And then when it's going all over me and I'm doing this, he realized that that wasn't really supposed to happen. So yeah, right. Yeah, I had a little bald spot. <laughs> I was doing this show for Dick Clark when he, he was still alive, uh, obviously. Uh, <laughs> after. I mean, it would have been weird if you are doing it and he wasn't alive. I, I will say that there are still shows that go on the air and they're like produced by Merv Griffin. I'm like, from the dead, he's producing new shows. Um, so there was a time when Dick Clark did these live shows, the American Bandstand Live, the American Music Awards Live. And it was a cast like a singers and dancers, like a review show, but then they'd have like celebrity guest stars that would like, you know, fill in the, the main slot. Sure. And I, I played the host. So of like bandstand or the AMAs or whatever, and it would yeah. tour. And so it was this thing where it was very dated. It was like the screen would come down and it's a recording of Dick saying, you know, 1982, Michael Jackson, blah, blah, blah. Right, Michael? That's right, Dick. So <laughs> the opening number to the American Music Awards, everyone's wearing white all the stars of the show they introduce all the stars at the top of the show the roster and i'm wearing right. this white tux and you know with the the glitzy stuff at, but i'm shorter than everybody else and ruffles? Dick didn't, huh did you have ruffles no ruffles it but i did have tails and you know a short man and tails it's not great, you know <laughs> but you know how, you know in, in, in the old vegas shows they used to put the rhinestone around the lapels and everything oh, yeah. it, was, it was that it was totally that and uh he didn't like how short I was compared to everybody else. <laughs> but, you know, they're, show, they're showgirls and skaters. I mean, it was a shit show. 
And so they gave me these gaucho boots with that really big heel on it, you know? Have you ever seen those, the gaucho boots? Yeah, yeah, no, of course I know what you're talking about. Okay, so it, it's like a cowboy, for those who don't know, it's kind of like a cowboy boot, but the back heel go, is like a block and it goes straight up to give you some lift. So I had to go down these stairs and my, the heel got, you know how the stairs go like that? The heel got caught, it, it like was a puzzle piece and got caught in that step at the opening and I'm literally going, oh, 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 and until I leaped forward and landed on my hip. Now, there is a video of that that they watch, rewound and watched in slow-mo many, many times. Uh, not, so that was a little scary. Uh, but as far as the stuff that happens on my own, I mean, you know, like most acts, I mean, I have had, you know, people try to beat me up on stage or one time, you know, I, a lot of little, little things like, um, I walked out on stage and I, they didn't tell me that the balcony was all Russian speaking people <laughs> and the main floor was deaf. So not only couldn't they, they either couldn't understand me or they could not hear me. <laughs> Wait, who booked was, you for this gig? It was a, re I was doing a show at a theater and that was the audience that day. That's who booked the ticket for that theater. And no one, no one told me that. So it's very quiet. It's quiet or at, on the top level and on the bottom, there's a signing person, I guess, and I didn't see them and they were laughing two seconds or three seconds after the joke was over <laughs> and I was setting up the next joke. So, uh, it was a full house. <laughs> they were was, laughing, but they were just late. <laughs> right. So I thought it was going to be an amazing house. It was yeah. a full house. I'm not being amazing. Not my fault. Wait, um, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay. You wait, you kind of just glossed over this really fast. Yeah. You yeah. saying somebody wanted to beat me up. On stage. Oh yeah, I've, that I've had that. Oh, I've had that a lot. You know, you set up an audience. A lot. Not not as much anymore than I'm older. But you know, if anyone see my act, like the ventriloquism is really just like dropped within the stand up and the improv. It kind of is set. That's true. It's it's almost it's almost secondary. I mean, it really you know the improv and the comedy is what's driving the show, and the the vent is what is kind of the reason. Right, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I like improv stand-up. It keeps me feeling fresh as opposed to something that's carefully scripted. Also, most ventriloquists cannot leave the character. Right. Uh, and I find this uh, refreshing for the audience. And, and I started that way. Um, and it's a lot to sustain. Anyway, um, yeah, I, but, you know, we all have audience participation, and that doesn't always work out. You yeah. know, like, I had, I had someone where... They didn't like something, the, the, a joke that I made the puppet say, and they stormed up on stage. Like, it's me, the puppet, and then on that side, there's a guy going, like, screaming, and I'm, like, like looking around to see if he's going to, like, be it, but not yelling at me. And, and you know, the That's puppet... That's because the illusion was perfect. And he was, he was horribly drunk, you know. I was more afraid that he was going to hurt the puppet because it's an expensive prop, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he bashes you in, you know, you go to the dentist, oh, you fix your broken yeah. tooth, it's fine. It's, it's not going to hurt this. <laughs> um, but my point to the stand-up was that, you know, I'm a little uh, 
you know, snarky uh, and aggressive at how I mix up with the audience. So when I was young, and now that I have like gray hair and not a lot of it, I get away with it more. But when I was younger, people thought I was a jerk. So you know what? That's a that's a real interesting point that I remember. I mean, hopefully, I still look young, but. <laughs> I remember when I was doing shows and I first started performing, even professionally, I, even post Ringling. So I was probably in my late 20s, but I still, I started to look like I was finally, like I was 22, 23. But all before that, when I was 25 and younger, I looked like I was a teenager. I looked like I was 17. And so even though at 25, 26, the impression that you give, whether in your attitude, character, styles, looks, poses, I wasn't doing anything off color, but it was just like, just a little bit of an attitude, even with a, like, if I had a kid on stage helping me with the magic trick, I had to treat him very nicely. And because if I didn't, it was like, oh, you're kind of a jerk to this, you know, kid. Now I, as an adult where people think I'm, now that they realize I'm older, I can get away with a little bit more like, hey kid, like, let's do, you know what I mean? It's just like different. But I also think you don't, you and I don't need to do it or people don't need to do it for certain things because we're settling into ourselves. I think that totally. most acts make, I think most acts make the mistake of they think they need to be slick or, um, or, or cutting to be hip or something like that. And the truth is we, if we would just know who we were and be right. the most us, that really is enough. Um, but, and a lot of magicians feel like, you know, they have to be funny even when it doesn't match their, like they're doing this kind of magic and then they do like jokes in between. I'm like, they it's just want to see the magic. You know, they just want to see you do what you do best. Not everything, you know, there's a particular cruise line that you work for a lot where they are just obsessed with comedy. So they always say comedy magician, comedy ventriloquist, comedy singer. Okay, of course it's a comedy ventriloquist. What else am I going to do? Like, like, oh, I'm going to kill myself. I'm depressed. You know, what am I... It's dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 you know what though? I I got into um, an argument with a with a promoter once because they are booking my show, and they they took out an ad that said magic. It was like is it either it was three three things: magic, comedy, and illusions. I think it was. I think it was magic, comedy, and illusions. And I told him, I told him you have to take that out. I said, because in none of my materials do I ever say comedy. I say humor. I'll change and I won't, but I'll never say comedy because comedy has a common connotation with it. Comedy right. is you're telling jokes, stand-up comedy. We know what that is. And so I was never comfortable promising comedy. Now, people have left my show many times saying, oh, my gosh, I laugh so much. It's funny. That's, but, but that's different, though. That's because... You know, you've become the most, like, you're very comfortable on stage, and there's something, because of your age, because of how you dress, there's something very charming that is disarming, and in turn creates humor, right? Humor, so, right, exactly. And and these bookers, you're right, there's a million ways you could you could create a pitch to get across what they're looking for without it not being your product. And by the way, that just borders it down. It sounds like everybody else. It's generic. <laughs> Right. And so I just, I, I got, I told him, I said, you need to, you need to take, stop that ad. And you, or, you know, cause they took it out once and I said, don't, it was a run. It was a run. And I said, you need to change that right away. I said, I'm not comfortable promising comedy. That is bonus. If people leave saying that great. I said, but do not, I'm not. And I kind of, I was pretty adamant about it and they go, oh, okay. Okay. You know? And I'm like, 
seriously though, because I take that seriously because I am not a type of person to go and tell jokes. And also on top of that, the, I, I respect comedians and people that actually do real comedy because it's like, that's pure. That is, you're going in there and it's like, all right, make me laugh. Right. I mean, that's Especially, tough. I mean, with any entertainer, if you're not a famous person, yeah. you, you have that, you know. Uh, you know, I used to think it was, go ahead, what? Oh, no, no, go ahead. I, I used to think when I first started that it was cheesy when performers would put pre-show video rolls up uh like promotional stuff mm. and i thought they were selling themselves now i realize you kind of need it because if you're not a household name people want to know that you're not just doing children's parties you know not that there's anything wrong with i, mean, there I know what you mean yeah so um you know at least if they can go oh i have seen him or oh that looks interesting or oh so it's important but it only saves you for the it only gives you car uh you know a pass for the first three minutes you're on there, right? I oh, mean, after that- 100%. Because after that, then it's like, well, you better deliver. Yeah. Um, you mm. know, I will say most of the stuff, uh, as far as uh, whether things are crashed and burned that were supposed to be amazing, the only way things really crashed and burned for me was when I had an idea and I did it and the material was slow or not working. Um, sorry, uh, slow or not working. Um, you know, but I have been involved in other things that were supposed to be amazing through other people that I was left holding the bag. Like, you know, I, I like I was I was at a, I was at a casino. I was there for like four months, and they the PR person, you know, where this is going. But I was young; I didn't know. They said we have a high roller couple, and he wants to propose to her. Can you set it up during the show in your act? I'm like, okay, sure. So of course, you know what happened. I, I used the guy, I sat him back down, I asked a few questions, like how long you've been together? Oh, five years, what are you waiting for? He doesn't move, I go, what are you waiting for? Gets down on one knee, the cameras are on him, all this stuff, he proposes to her, she is not happy, and does it, will, and will not answer him, she's mad, or she doesn't want to marry him. So now, I have to be like, uh, I look, this, and fortunately the audience can't really hear, it's a it's like two thousand people and they're like right down front but i'm like you know this is so nice it's a this is a private time continue this in private enjoy the champagne and so as i'm bowing like if this is the edge if this is the proscenium right here and backstage like the pr people back there i'm way i'm like thank you thank you what the hell was that all about you didn't oh thank you very much why didn't you check this before to make sure it was gonna thank you good night i'm gonna murder somebody it was just not, it was terrible. Uh, so now. <laughs> so, so I've done maybe three or four proposals in my show. Now, two of them, I knew the people, right? right? And they've seen my show and there's a little relationship. My favorite one though, is um, I was at a casino, this guy, as I call him on stage, I go into the audience, we're walking back onto the stage, my mic is off. His name is Saul, his name was Saul. He says, Alex, Alex. I go, yeah, he goes, I, I wanna ask my girlfriend to marry me. And I was like, okay, good luck with that, great. You know, and he goes, no, I wanna do it on stage right now. And I'm like, I'm busy, like I'm working. <laughs> like, yeah, the show. 
Yeah. And so I go, uh, hold on. So I end up doing the routine with him and I'm just thinking, and he's like the whole time, like, can, can I, can I do this? Can I do this? And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I end up doing the instant magician routine with him. I put the suit on him and it was good because it gave me a chance to talk to the guy. Cause then the music goes, my mic's off and now I'm standing behind him and I'm like, all right, listen, this is what's up. At the end of this, what I'll do is I'll get her on stage. You stay here. I'll, you, I'll leave stage, you propose, and then I'll come back on and set you back down. And as I'm like telling him, you know, smile, <laughs> like, you know, and then, but, but here's the kicker. I said, and he goes, okay, okay. I was like, all right. He goes, okay. And I say, one last thing. Are you sure she's going to say yes? Right. And he's like, uh, uh, I go, are you sure she's going to say yes? I mean, have you talked about this? I mean, you know, you don't just spring it on someone. He goes, uh, yeah, yeah. She's going to say yes. I go, is she going to say yes? Yeah. So I start hyping him up. She's going to say yes. Yeah, yeah. So get on stage, Fiona. Her name was Fiona. I said, Fiona, um, please join me on stage. You know, every, every magician needs an assistant. You're up here. All right. I was like, you know, Saul, do your magic. He proposed. She said yes. She said yes. And yeah, right? Because I'm thinking, if she says no, man, I don't think I can recover. And so some shows right. going downhill. And so afterwards, you know, I actually, we were filming it in nice camera and I gave him a video of the proposal. And uh, it was, it was just, it was good. Um, thankfully, thankfully it was good and it worked out well. But you know, yeah, you never want to promise these things. No, not you at all. And it's always, some, it's always some PR person that F's you. Always. Uh, I, was, I was on, uh, there was a time when, uh, but there was a time when I, I, was, I was taking out the shifts for like press week and stuff like that. I was like one of the acts that they, yeah. they wanted for on this particular cruise line. And, um, and this actually happened to me on land at a theater in Biloxi, Mississippi, but it's more interesting on a ship because you're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a big, it's a bit, it's their biggest ship and I'm doing the show and I, I walk out on stage. I'm only like three minutes in and the power goes out all over the ship. <laughs> and because it was like the maiden voyage, the emergency lighting came on, but it wasn't quite working either. Like it was kind of like a half of a light or two kind of flickering, you know. Now, I've been in, this is my 30th year. I, ha I happen to love chaos. I think it's very exciting. I love it. Um, I, as, if, as if no one could tell. I love it. I never abort. I mean, I'll abort the bit that I'm doing. Like there's been time where, in my back there where I just gave up and I just dropped the puppet, dropped my arm and the puppet's hanging off like a, uh, like a oven mitt. And I'm like, I'm screaming at people like this and throwing the, I, the, the image, you know, the imagery is gone. So for this, the power goes out. Everyone's kind of losing their shit a little bit. I walk off stage and I go to the crew. I'm like, everyone calm down. I'm like, give me, give me a candle or a flashlight and just reboot the system and let me let me know when, when you're ready. And I go out and I do like 12 minutes in the dark and I am murdering. Um, it could have been the best show I've ever done in the dark. 
or, or you know, because it was in the garden. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm doing like the bouncing ball. I'm like, rope your neighbor. You know, I'm like, how much did you pay for this? I'm like, whatever. So, uh, you know, and, and I, I went and did stand up like in the audience in the dark. And uh, yeah, and in the back, the, the, um, the cruise director and his staff ran in because I thought they were going to have to like appease everybody. And, you know, I had it under control. And the guy and the, the cruise director who w was not an easy person to work with later on, like two days later, he finally gave it up to me. He goes, you know, anyone else would have left the stage and just until we handled it. I said, well, you know, the inner. They are our audience that night. We're the independent contractor, right? right? This is our show, our audience. We have a responsibility. And then and and handling it is what you get with someone who's been doing it for so long. So the next time I ask you for something, you know, don't be a dick. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know the the funny thing though is is that it was so good that your next show they killed the power again. They always want me to do the show in the dark, which is actually very good for a ventriloquist. It's a lot less work. Yeah, I can uh, do that. I can do yeah, right. And you have. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had that happen on land, on land too. Uh, right. I, I love all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I was just talking about, I think, uh, to someone else when we lost power. Oh, it was Brett Barlow, who was the music director uh, for Ringling. We just were talking about how we, we had this venue that we lost power in every year. So on the tour, like, I remember the whole grid, everything went down. And I'm looking like, oh my gosh, geez, what do we have to, you know, different things and whatever, you know. And then Brett, when I was talking to him about it, he goes, oh yeah, we lose power here every year. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, they can't handle our, our you know, whatever. And so we lose power every year at, at this venue. And I'm thinking, so if you know that going in, shouldn't, Shouldn't be we on your own, that? <laughs> be, on, be on your own generator or something. Well, so then like the following tours, they finally did. But he goes, no, it was like for years. They just, every year they knew that it was just going to die at one point at this venue. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess. Like, it's not anything I can do. But I mean, it was pretty funny. I did a couple of things that I thought would go well, where, like joke-wise, where... Um, <laughs> I, I love that. I love the start of that. All, all of your beginnings are, I did a couple of things I thought was going to go well. well. That's what this, that's what your show is about. That, that's what it is. It was going to be amazing. And then. So I was a kid. It was, I, I'm in Atlantic City. I'm doing my first like opening act thing. And I'm not a great act, you know, uh, at that time. And um, I'm opening for Florence Henderson, who was not only Mrs. Brady from the Brady Bunch, but she was on the Dean Martin Roast and she sang and she did all this stuff. Sure. And I'm sitting in my dressing room and I'm, I'm like 22 or something. And I get a knock and it's just me in a fruit tray, you know, and they open the door, they go, and it's Florence Henderson. She goes, hi, I'm, I'm Florence. Uh, you're allowed two Brady Bunch jokes and that's it. And she closes the door. I'm like, oh, I didn't really prepare any Brady Bunch jokes. Does she expect me to, or she doesn't want me to go to town on her, or does she do her own, or I don't know what. So I don't <laughs> I go out on stage. Does she want go, me to? That's how young you are. Does yeah. she want me to do Brady Bunch? Wait, is that, is that a thing? Uh, so I go out on stage and I go, you know, and the jokes were not great, but I go, you know, I never really understood Alice's role in the family because they're like, Alice, you're like one of the family. Merry Christmas. Now go scrub the toilet. Um, and, and I said, everyone has their favorite Brady Bunch episode. And mine was when 
Bobby played ball in the house and he broke the vase and Florence sent him to his room and he said, you know, and grounded him. And he said, you know, I don't have to really listen to you because you're not my real mother. You're just my father's whore. And, uh, and, and that's when they punished him by making him get that perm for the rest of the series. So it doesn't really go anywhere. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it gets a roaring round of applause and laughter. She's behind me like this just to help me out, you know what I mean? But, but it did not go well. Uh, I thought it would be funny, but again, that's the whole thing about being too young. And, and I thought it would be funny. It was gonna be, it was gonna be funny. <laughs> then I said the joke. <laughs> I, well, I thought it would- It was it funny seem, in my head. <laughs> I thought it would make me seem like I was on the end with everybody else. Like yeah. I was pulling it all together and I'm a part of this oh, evening, you know, but-, but you, know what? you know what though? That that is a little like you said. Good on her for standing because that's what made it. Help me out. That's right. Good and, on, and her. Then, on her. That's a then, professional. <laughs> right. And then uh, about ten years later, so you got uh, you were so, opening for her again. <laughs> yeah. So I'm opening for the, I'm with the Pointer Sisters, and I don't people today don't really know who they are, but they have a huge songbook. Um, I'm so excited. The Neutron Dance. Uh, you know, and a million other songs that they wrote for other people. So when I was a teenager, I tell, I tell the audience this story about how, and this is true, when I was a teenager and I was with my first girlfriend at that time, shut it, um, I, was very, I was very good, as you know. But uh, yeah, we so my mom, my mom wants to do the sex talk. And so her version of the sex talk was, the Porno Sisters used to have a song, a hit called Slow Hand. Do you know this song? <laughs> I like a man with a slow hand. I like a man with an easy touch. Okay, so that's the song. Right. She hands me a cassette of the Pointer Sisters, and she says, listen to that song. And then she leaves. And that was how I was supposed to... No wonder, no, wonder, no wonder nothing ever materialized between like, you. No wonder I play with guys now. Yeah. So <laughs> I tell the story. I tell the story. I, my opening act, I think I did like 35, 30 minutes in front of them, I guess. Mm -hmm. I go to my dressing room. I'm changing, you know, whatever. We, we, I, we, I think we had two shows that night. And all of a sudden, I'm getting called to the stage. <clears throat> I get up there, and I'm like, oh, there's a problem. I need to fill time or something like that. And the sisters pulled me out on stage and put me on a stool and sing slow hands to me, <laughs> making fun of my virginity. And uh, <laughs> so while it was wonderful for the audience, and again, I thought the story would help get me into the inner circle of the audience, oh. it ended up you know, ruining me and sending me to therapy. Um, <laughs> You know, as far as things that haven't worked out, like I said, a lot of it hasn't been me. Like, you know, I was dealing with the puppet and the eyeball popped off and rolled away and I didn't know it. Or uh, a guy was drunk and as I'm, when I walk people on stage for audience participation, I always make them go first. Because years ago, I walked some up on stage with some drunk guy and he grabbed me in a headlock and pulled me to the floor. And he thought he was being funny. Like he was like roughhousing with me or something like that. And well, then he helped I me mean, up. I, I often think this. Sometimes what is going on 
in people's heads when they when they go to do something. You know what I mean? I'm like, what are you thinking? Why are you? Yeah, right. I mean, there are times when I like to have control over my mic pack, uh, so I can Always. turn it on and off. Always. That way, I do. Always. Yeah. So I can turn and talk to someone. But then sometimes the sound guy puts it on PF. They don't turn it off in the monitor. I'm like, well, what is the point of that? Then the audience can hear it. But I've turned to people where I'm like, after I I get I try to shut them down a few times when they're just trying to be fu so funny that I can't do my job, you know. Right. And I'll turn them off and I'll be like. Are you going to let me finish or I need to finish this? I got to perform for 2000 people and you're yeah. keeping me from doing my job. Or I'll have to say, if you can't, like I, I was doing a corporate thing about three months ago and I have a lot of uh, innuendo in my show and I kind of had to dull that down. Right. And I needed to make the person, usually the person, the woman I bring up says how she likes sex a lot. And obviously I couldn't do that. So I'm like, what's neutral? Okay. Food and food. I like food. Oh, cake or whatever. And this woman barrels towards me and says, I want to go up. I want to go up. And she won't let it go. And I'm like, and I can kind of tell when they're a little too much and yeah. it's going to be a problem. But sometimes you take a risk that, you know, she was so happy to participate and I bring her up there. And it turns out in this corporate event that she was drunk and I can't continue. And then I got to get to the bit and I realize, oh, I can't say I like food because she was very very overweight overweight she was overweight so now i'm talking to the audience about the bit and in my head like an automatic pilot here while in my head i'm trying to just figure out what yeah you're trying to navigate say. yeah and so this is happening and then this is happening and i'm like well that word's not funny well that word doesn't work well how do i build on that because the guy has to respond to it next to her i mean that yeah. kind of stuff what, what can no. you do Absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. And what people don't, uh, maybe not people, but the audience overlooks, I think, and when they're watching shows is that those variables that happen within a show that involves audience interaction, because every person doing and saying things can change the show and you're having to adapt and adjust and change word, change script, change maybe sequence. And and it's and it's not always easy it's it's multitasking as the show's going on and then on top of that like what you just said it it's a risk and there's some times where as performers i see somebody that is really excited to go on stage and in my head i'm thinking this is not the right person but i can't not get them up oh boy you know what am right. i going to do and then when it all goes crashing down you know crash and burn in the back of your head you're always like i knew it i knew this person was going to give me trouble i knew it yeah. now i have uh, it was going to be amazing that i'm saving for the end because it was traumatic but before i get to that uh, i went <laughs> I, did, I did i was gonna, i did bring a woman up on stage and as i'm explaining what i need her to do someone's signing to her and i'm like oh this could still work out and i look at the woman i'm like is she gonna get what i'm saying and they're like yeah i think so so i so I do that ventriloquist bit where you tap them on the back and the person moves their mouth and you give them little voices, right? Right. So I, I, I don't like to put those masks on because I like it to be spontaneous, you know? Right. And I don't really tell them what, I'm, what we're going to sing or do. Anyway, so I tell them I'm going to tap them on the back. They just move the mouth. I do the voice. Well, not only is she deaf, but she's, she's mute. So I tap her on the back. At, 
I'm going to do this now. And I want you to know it's making my palms sweaty as I'm telling the story. But she, I tap her on the back and she goes, oh, no. just as silent as it is now is how silent it was in the theater and backstage. I mean, people were like, oh no. And I am, and she won't stop, by the way. So well, stop tapping her. I wasn't. She just kept going. I'm like, this, she's still doing it. And then looking at me, I'm like, uh, I, I don't know what to do. And I can't, I can't make her sit down because that will make me look like I'm making the a person of special need uh, sit down. But I can't continue either. And uh, yeah, I thought she was a good choice until that. <laughs> I thought she was a good choice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's tough. Those are tough things. I mean, those are tough situations. And, and sometimes it's like, for example, I've gone into an audience member before and you're so focused on doing the show that I'm like, oh, come up on stage. And it's person with maybe something wrong with their leg or something. Right. And you don't see them because you don't know that they're going to have trouble getting up on stage and you're just doing the show. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness. And those yeah. are things that you look for, um, you know, a lot of times. That yeah, now, I, now, I, you had to learn. I brought a little kid up on stage, I always do. And then I finally turned to him to start the bit, and I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl. He yeah. was uh, purposely androgynous, yeah. not, not trans or transitioning, just androgynous, right? Yeah. Uh, or, 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 and so I'm trying to ask questions to kind of see if I can figure out the right. answer. And just like a Saturday Night Live sketch, the kid kept answering very neutral answers. <laughs> so, Non-binary. Right. And there were things like that should not be neutral that, you know, you would normally think would be a very specific answer. So this, kid's just, been this kid's been PR trained. Right. So I, I look at the audience and I am stumped. I'm absolutely stumped. And I just look at the audience and go, you know what I'm trying to ask, right? I mean, I just had to like give it up. And finally the kid goes, I'm a girl. I'm like, thank you. Now, turns out genetically not a girl, but refers to him herself as themselves as a girl. Yeah. So, you know, what can you do? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give you this story and I'm gonna try to make it short. Um, but if you want the full story, it's in my book and it is amazing about when I was thrown off stage in Disney World in front of 5,000 people doing a corporate event for a gigantic Fortune 500 company. Uh, I had done corporate events before and I knew how to do them, but I was doing a casino show and a girlfriend of mine who was in the show, her best girlfriend was coming to see the show whose husband was the CEO of a gigantic Southern-based healthcare company. Okay. And I didn't really know who they were. And then I realized what company it was. And my mom, coincidentally, was working for this company in Philadelphia, but uh, a branch of the company. Okay. My girlfriend, who was a singer in this show, was friends with them. He always wanted to be a musician, so he'd like pay for celebrities to be in his band. And he was a little bit, he was an egomaniac. He had a, a, he had a, a museum to himself in the lobby of his building, stuff like that. So he would pay for my singer friend to have studio time at Sony Country and all that kind of stuff. Right. He comes to see the show, and afterwards he says, I want you to do my, my yearly end of the year stockholders, yeah. extravagant, whatever. Yeah. Usually they have mu musical stars. I go, 
I don't think what you enjoyed in a, in a casino show would be enjoyed is the right act for you in a, you know, conservative. Yeah, the right choice life. for, yeah, for the like, event. No, 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 you're wrong. I'll be in touch. Uh, we're in touch. He bas it basically write your own check, name your price. And I'm like, wow. And it's going to be, there's going to be cameras and whatever. So I named my price, and which includes an assistant. And over the next six months, I send his point person a bunch of footage to review because I'm concerned. And they keep saying, yeah, 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 it's fine. I get to the venue in Florida and I had done an afternoon show. It was just to... Uh, uh, an icebreaker in between their seminars, and that was fine. And then at night, it was gonna be like, football stars were gonna be there, and I was opening for Amy Grant, who I didn't know at the time, went from country, she was a, like a Christian song, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Right? So his wife is, so I go up to the person in charge, and because they're running late, and I'm not getting a, a rehearsal. And I had music cues and stuff, things they hadn't right. done before. They were running right. very, very late. And I said to the wife, I go, Hey, listen, uh, you know what I'm doing tonight, right? She, oh, no. She says, what are you going to do tonight? I go, oh, I'm going to do what you saw at the casino. And she's like, you, you can't do that here. I'm like, why are we talking about this an hour before I go on? Right. So this CEO walks in with all of his bodyguards. I walk right up and I go, you realize what I'm going to do tonight, right? He goes, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. Now, the, the one of the problems in the room, what, so I go out. I, they asked me to cut 10 minutes off my time. I do. They're already running late. I go out. Uh, now the room is three ballrooms long and there's no, there's no delay machine to fix the delay. So they left here, then they left here, then they left here. So to a not, I wasn't killing, but I wasn't bombing, but to an inexperienced ear, it would sound like it was a little tepid because yeah. the laughter was not all at the same time. So I'm getting ready to finish. Little do I know, Amy Grant's like, I want to go on and I want to leave, get this guy off stage. So because I've never worked with an act before, instead of someone giving me a note or a wave or something, they decide to stop playing my cues, which to me thinks something's broken and now I have to stretch. Right. They leave me out to, hanging out to dry. Right. I'm stretching, I'm stretch. No one's talking to me. I'm like, how are we doing? Are we almost there? Is there a problem? Stretching, stretching. Now, granted, I'm only like 24 or something like that. So I was, and you know, I never had to, I, so eventually it's silent. There's flop sweat. The only joke I can think of to fill time still is about a priest and a nun on a camel. I get one line. It was not a clean joke. I get one line in the, the CEO was given a microphone. He storms up on stage, puts me in a headlock, turns me away from the audience and gives me like the look of fire and pushes me off stage. And I kind of thought it was like, ah, get out of here, you crazy kid. And I kind of wave and I leave. Well, everyone backstage is having an absolute fit. They're like cursing me out and everything. Like, thanks a lot, you jerk, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what's happening. I go, I'm, I'm in a panic. I go to my room with the, and with the uh, assistant. And he go, and when I go off stage, he goes into an evangelical tirade about me for about seven minutes, calling me smart and trash and all this other kind of stuff. We don't tolerate this sort of thing and goes to town on me. Now they're supposed to pay me the balance of my money at the end of the night, which is not gonna happen right now. Um, I call my mom. Oh, by the way, I should mention, six months, three months earlier, my mom had been laid off from that 
ranch in Philadelphia. He heard about it, called me and apologized and was embarrassed. And they kind of gave her like a fake job, but just kept giving her money, brought her back for no what? reason. Just, just because I was going to be working for them. I said, mom, enjoy it while you can. They're going to yeah. dump you right after this show. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so even whether it's good or bad, right? I mean, they're right, 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 they, right. So, I, so the next day I have to fly home. I'm walking through the lobby and all the, these people are there and some of them were on my flight. Some of them thought it was part of the joke that they didn't get. Some of them thought he was a jerk and others thought that I was garbage and are letting me know. Yeah, and it was, so all it, mixed it, reviews. It, it ruined me, right, it ruined me. Uh, and, and so I fly home, they, he stops giving my friends studio time, guilt by association, he fires my mom, and I send them a letter and I basically said, you know, I, you know, I spoon, spoon fed you every step of the way. You didn't do what I asked. I didn't get my rehearsal, which is contracted. And you, you would have known I was finishing up anyway. And you put your hands on me. And I expect the rest of the check by 12, by six o'clock tomorrow. I get a, I, my, my mom's having an absolute cow. Don't, don't do it. They're, they'll put, they'll bury you financially. They send me the money and they're like, we don't agree with your assessment. Well, of course they don't. What else are they going to say? Six months later, the guy goes to prison for the biggest stock fraud and manipulation practice in healthcare history right after the Enron guys went to jail. And now he's in all these documentaries. So, you know, uh, that I thought this event was going to go well. It was a gigantic. It was celebrities. It was 5,000 people. It was Disney World. It was a gigantic paycheck. And it was the worst experience of my life. Did your check clear? It did clear. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah. Wow, it, that I mean, it's, is crazy. Yeah, it's scarred, and I'm a responsible act, you know. It's and it scarred me for a long time. Like anytime I heard a southern uh, accent, or that someone would ask me about content, I would like get. I don't. Wow. I don't want to curse. But you know, I I get, mean, unfortunately, you know, there are there are different you know, acts that have different material that they use, and you need to know your audience and know your and your booker needs to know the act. Well, that's the other hooker is that you doing your best saying, hey, look, you know my act. You've seen me. This is what I do. They were in the wrong. So, Well, that's the other thing. As the, uh, I then went to a celebrity. I told him the story, a famous uh, old school comic. And he's like, listen, you're not a weak act just because you don't play every audience. Find your audience. Right. And play to your audience. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be, uh, I mean, you can only change it so much where it's not you anymore. Right. Man, oh my gosh! Well, that 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 was like a like a uh, what was traumatizing. It? You feel yeah, traumatized, traumatized, don't you? Yeah, it's it's I know. Dramatic, like epic tale of a of a gig. I know everyone else says funny, funny, hilarious, self-deprecating things, and I just gave you one that wants you to kind of. <laughs> that was yeah. great, man. Hey, I'm, I'm okay now though. Yeah, you're all right. You're all right now. Hey, but uh, hey, thanks for thanks for uh, chatting with me for a while, man. And uh, you're welcome. I, I love talking to you. Um, same, same. And uh, we need to get together when I'm back in LA to meet up after all this whole thing's over. We need to have lunch again. So, I'd love that. All right, bud. Uh, all have right, a good day. Stay safe. All right. You too. Bye bye. Bye.